Ever noticed how in movies and TV shows, if a character gets pregnant and is considering having an abortion, a surprising amount of the time, something horrible will befall her. She'll be killed or commit suicide or go through with the abortion only to discover the doctor is a completely unsanitary quack. But in reality, abortion is an extremely safe medical procedure in places where it's legal. Writer and sociologist Gretchen Sisson discussed this disconnect in the blood and guts issue of Bitch. Gretchen is the co-author of a study that surveyed more than 300 films and TV shows where abortion is a plotline. Here she reads her article, which is titled, There Will Be Blood. We, mankind, have progressed so far. The season finale of The Nick, the Cinemax show set in the Gilded Age Hospital in New York City, begins with Dr. John Thackeray as he cuts into a woman's uterus. Her clothes and the bed underneath her are drenched in blood. From such humble beginnings through the astonishing modern world in which we now live. The woman's pulse fades and vanishes beneath the nurse's fingertips. The operating theater is quiet for but a moment until Dr. Thackeray cuts open the woman's chest to manually compress her heart, not in the hopes of reviving her, but in an attempt to salvage the situation and experiment on a fresh corpse. This frantic failed abortion is not especially gruesome within the wider context of the Nick. At the Knickerbocker Hospital, things are often grisly. Patients die one after the other. The hospital administrator embezzles money and steals bodies. Thackeray, the hero surgeon, is a racist cocaine addict. Bloodiness is not unusual, and medical failure is expected. This single abortion story is noteworthy, not because of its gore, but because it typifies the way abortion is portrayed in popular culture. The Nick's portrayal is just one example that follows a century-old precedent set by the earliest examples of American on-screen abortion stories. The first of such stories was written and directed by Lois Weber. As a female filmmaker, Weber was an anomaly in cinema's earliest days. She was also a professed admirer of Margaret Sanger's activism, including her rejection of legal abortion in favor of gaining wider support for birth control. In Weber's 1916 silent film entitled, Where Are My Children?, a district attorney is busy prosecuting a family planning doctor for the charge of obscenity, while his wife secretly obtains repeat abortions and helps her friends to do the same. At the end of the film, the attorney and his wife face a lifetime of lonely, bereft childlessness, and ultimately, their maid's daughter ends up much like the failed abortion patient in the Nick. Nearly a hundred years of on-screen abortions are bookended with dead women. In reality, abortion is a simple, fast, safe medical procedure. It can be done as an outpatient procedure taking less than an hour or by taking pills in your own home. Today, the statistical risk of death from abortion in the United States is virtually zero. The risk of major complication is 0.2%. Approximately 1.1 million abortions are obtained in the United States each year, and the vast majority lead to no physical injury whatsoever. But on screen, abortion is a fraught, dangerous, and often deadly plot point. In research my colleague Katrina Kimport and I published in the journal Contraception, we used online sources to identify more than 300 films and TV shows that included abortion storylines over the past 100 years. 
14% of plot lines included the death of a woman who considered getting an abortion, whether or not she actually obtained one. Frequently, these deaths were the result of violence. Characters committed suicide or were killed either while contemplating what to do about their pregnancies or after getting an abortion. About 5% of fictional women, like the character in the Nick, died because of medical complications of the abortion, and about 20% of characters face major consequences such as infection, hemorrhage, hysterectomy, depression, and infertility. On screen, clearly, abortions are much, much more dangerous than in real life. Of course, we cannot and should not expect the on-screen world to perfectly mirror reality. Screenwriters find drama and humor in rare, extreme, bizarre, or fantastical circumstances. Yet while other medical procedures, such as CPR, are consistently shown as safer and more effective on television, abortion continues to be depicted as unsafe. These manifold stories linking abortion and risk build a social mythology that abortion is dangerous for women, full stop. It is easy to imagine how these gruesome, dangerous depictions of abortion could affect political ideas. When abortion seems so bloody and unsafe, is it any wonder that abortion restrictions framing abortion as dangerous gain political traction? That hospital admitting privileges for abortion providers might make sense? As our popular culture builds and reflects the social myth of abortion as dangerous, such regulations become a resonant way for politicians to restrict abortion access while painting a picture of concern for women and their health. What then would feminist on-screen portrayals of abortion look like? It's important to understand that while the dangerous abortions on screen seem to express anti-abortion sentiment, it doesn't mean the people who created the episodes and films are anti-abortion themselves. The writers of Friday Night Lights, for example, consulted with Whole Women's Health, a Texas abortion provider, to ensure that they accurately reflected Texas law at the time. Do you think I'm going to hell if I have an abortion? No, honey, I don't. Plus, Many of the unsafe abortions on screen are actually set at historical moments when abortion may have been more dangerous, and their portrayal as such might build a case supporting safe and legal abortion. The slow spreading of blood across the back of April's dress in Revolutionary Road and the shivering pale face of Penny in Dirty Dancing are dangerous abortions that can be understood as progressive, even feminist, because they support the idea that illegal abortion is harmful. He didn't use no ether, nothing. I thought you said he was at real MD. The guy had a dirty knife and a folding table. I could hear her screaming in the hallway, and I swear to God, Johnny, I tried to get in. I tried. It's all right. Most on-screen representations of modern-day abortions lauded by feminists avoid the physical experience of the procedure entirely. As viewers, we might see the prologue and epilogue to the abortion while never following the character to the clinic for the procedure, as in the Friday Night Lights storyline. Sometimes we might enter the operating room, which is, to say the least, not what most clinics look like, only to have the screen fade to black before the abortion begins, like in Grey's Anatomy, which has certainly never shied away from showing a medical procedure of any other stripe. In the case of the 2014 Jenny Slate film, Obvious Child, the story is sanitized through lightheartedness and humor, and in the HBO show Girls, an abortion decision is followed by after-the-fact flippancy. 
Hey Max, remember from before when we did sex to each other? I can't get your blouse off. I'm having your portion. Do you want to share a dessert? Leave with that. Definitely leave with that. Perfect. This is not a criticism of these stories. They are careful, nuanced, and well-written. They focus on the woman making the decision and not the clinical procedure itself. They are also, often explicitly, calibrated responses to the goriness of political anti-abortion imagery. Such responses are necessary, and they deserve to be viewed and enjoyed by feminists. However, we should also recognize that the reality of abortion, even safe, straightforward abortion, can be messier than that. To explore this, it's important to consider what contemporary abortion actually looks like. There is a long preamble of decision-making, appointment planning, and for more and more women, fundraising, traveling, forced ultrasound viewing, and mandatory waiting. But when it comes to the actual procedure, studies show that between 82 and 93% of patients are satisfied with their care. It seems, then, that the cumulative cultural effect of anti-abortion imagery has made it difficult for popular culture to acknowledge the physical or even clinical experience of contemporary abortion in a feminist way. We are left with this tension. Abortion is safe, but we cannot dismiss it as a bodily experience. How do we understand and represent the corporeal experience of abortion, which involves blood and often pain, to be sure, without ceding ground to the violent, gruesome, and gory ideas promoted by anti-abortion propaganda? Is this, should this, even be the goal of popular culture? Perhaps not. For nearly every abortion story shown on screen, even those that seem truly out of the ordinary, there is a viewer with whom that story will resonate as similar to their own. It is a tall order to expect popular culture to reflect a range of logistical, emotional, and physical experiences around abortion in a thoughtful way. If an abortion is too bloody, it becomes scary. But if an experience is too simplified, it leads the work involved in obtaining and undergoing an abortion. This double-edged sword is particularly unwieldy. Film and TV creators shouldn't try to navigate this balance in each story they want to tell, because whatever good faith story they do tell will likely reflect someone's reality. Abortion is bloody. It can be uncomfortable, even painful. But blood does not inherently equate with the violence and danger that the anti-abortion movement wants it to. That was the article, There Will Be Blood, by author Gretchen Sisson, who, when she's not busily writing for Bitch, is a sociologist with a think tank advancing new standards in reproductive health. Her work specifically focuses on social constructions of parenthood. 